I'm going to read out of Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. So, in my process of coming to faith and having an awareness of God, I actually, in hindsight, realised that I was actually very superstitious. And um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, I don't know if you've gone through this, but I was so superstitious that I was deeply concerned about offending God. And I didn't want to do anything, I didn't want to say anything, I didn't want to think anything, I didn't want to listen to anything. Uh, or even experience anything that would somehow, in my reckoning and my understanding, offend God such that uh, God's presence would leave me or, or turn away with me or turn away from me. And uh, I was quite obsessed with David's words, King David's words in Psalm 51, um, which in context is actually him writing about the fact that he uh, seduced another man's wife and then had that man murdered. But I wasn't kind of too caught up in the context and it was words like create in me a clean heart O God and uh, renew a right spirit within me cast me not astray from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me and as I said the context didn't matter because somehow to me God's presence was fragile and so I did things that I deeply regret now like get rid of my entire music collection that was like literally a hundred albums because um, I was concerned that the music, because it either didn't mention God or somehow um, didn't represent my understanding of God in the right light, that it was offensive to him and so I got rid of it. I literally gave a hundred albums away. And I came to this realization that this was really, really unhealthy and this was really misplaced and that I was actually superstitious. And so thankfully, over time, I came to realise that God's not that easily offended. Um, it was an expensive realisation though because I then went through a process of trying to purchase every piece of music that I'd given away. Um, but it was worthwhile, expensive but worthwhile, and I think a much healthier way to live. And this shift in my thinking and this change in realisation uh, came through my understanding of Jesus. I came to realise that his presence is not easily removed and that it's not easily ushered away. And we can see this in the verse that, that Jemima read, but we can also see this throughout Jesus' life and um, time on this earth and the circumstances to which he came to be amidst humanity. You know, Jemima read, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. And so here we have this God with us who was conceived by an unwed woman, who was born in a stable, who was uh, essentially a refugee, who was internally displaced um, under the protection of his parents. He was fleeing for his life. He was mocked and discredited by his hometown. Uh, a town which was said of that uh, nothing good could come from it. Um, he was uh, followed and supported by people of ill repute. Uh, he frequently dined with outcasts. He, he befriended the excluded. 
um, and he was murdered by the humanity that he came to serve and redeem and he was resurrected with open wounds in, in his hands and in his body. And so I came to realize that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is, is not offended by brokenness. And in reality, he actually embraces our brokenness. And so the season that we're in at the moment, which is called Advent, uh, which literally means um, the coming, uh, the coming of God with us, is this process of active celebration of, of God in our midst, God with us, of what he's done, of um, active participation in what God is doing, and this sense of waiting, but an active waiting for what it is that God wants to do in and through our lives. And I read a great quote about Advent recently, and it said this, Advent is the season when we remember how Jesus put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. God getting born in a barn reminds us that God shows up in the most forsaken corners of the earth. And so this is Emmanuel. This, this is God with us. This is the Jesus that we consider, that we celebrate, that we commune with this Christmas. And so I've been thinking about that and uh, sort of contemplating that in the lead up to Christmas and what it might mean that God is with us. What does that mean for our lives? And I think it's really an important concept. I think it's vitally important that we understand that this is about God's nature in our midst. And so when we remove ourselves from an understanding of God with us, when we kind of inhabit a place where God is removed from our suffering, removed from our challenges, removed from our joy, from our pain, then I think that we uh, cease to understand God as relational. And what can happen is that we kind of confine God to this role of sort of distant observer, to the role of angry judge, to the role of um, benevolent dictator or some kind of curious myth. I think that for me anyway, when I fail to grasp the wonder and the depth of God with us, that I can have a very shallow view of what it means that God is in our midst. And I think that what can often then happen out of that is that um, God's presence in our lives just becomes this kind of convenient barometer. And so God with us just becomes this sort of blessing check. So, you know, I think, well, my life is going good, so, okay, God must be with me. Or alternatively, life is really hard right now, so God must not be with me, which I don't think is the right way to approach it, but I think that that's what can happen in our lives. And I think it's often why in the Western world, we often come from this very arrogant position um, and even the Western church, this, this kind of arrogant position of faith and belief because we're actually better off. We have this higher standard of living and we live comfortably better than two-thirds of the rest of the world. And so we kind of, whether it's conscious or subconscious, seem to think, well, God must be with us because we're doing really well. And, and it's essentially the heart of what people call the prosperity doctrine, where prosperity equals God is on your side. But... I'm reasonably sure that Jesus didn't subscribe to prosperity doctrine. Yes, he never really wanted for anything. He could multiply loaves and fishes and he could get coins out of the fish of a mouth and mouth of a fish, either or. 
Um, but what we know is that he didn't use that for the purpose of growing his net worth, that he didn't use that to oppress people, that, that he hardly lived uh, a lavish life. And I've increasingly come to the realization that the success of my life or the balance of our bank account is actually not a good benchmark for whether God is with us or not. I like success, like anyone. I like a healthy bank balance. I like to be able to put food on our table and, and there's nothing wrong with those things but I think that those things can actually bring a sense of complacency to our life. And, and I've found for my own life that, that comfort and affluence is, is actually a dangerous place for me. It's a dangerous place as a Christian um, because it brings with it this, this sense of, well, life's good. I don't need to worry about anything else. I was reading an article the other day and it's estimated that Australians will spend... $8.8 billion on Christmas this year. I'm not suggesting that's a good or a bad thing. You know, where you direct your money is important. But I think increasingly this time of year has just become uh, a holiday and a season that's about consumption. And I would suggest, though, that, that when we understand that God is with us, that we understand that God is in our midst, that this can really challenge our understanding of consumer culture. God with us kind of challenges the notion of this distant benevolent dictator. God, God with us calls us to consider the other. And the nature by which Jesus experienced and lived his life on this earth, I think should cause us to consider and reconsider what it is that we think that prosperity actually looks like because God with us implies that he's not detached from our suffering, that he, and we know this, that Jesus experienced pain and loss, that he experienced torture and in reality a horrific death, that God with us tells us that uh, he was raised to life, yet he still bore the wounds of a broken world. And what God with us speaks to me about is this sense of partnership, a God who wants to be in relationship with us, who wants to be in relationship with his creation, a God who wants us to join him in the renewal of all things, a God who wants us to be light amidst the darkness and who wants us to be ministers of reconciliation, who wants us to be known by our love. And I think also that God with us speaks to partnership that's not temporary but is actually eternal. I was reading uh, Psalm 139, verses 7 to 14, and it says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will, be not, will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And, and Paul in Romans 8, which uh, Kevin shared last week, um, also holds this clear conviction of the inescapable nature of God's love for us. And so last week we talked about God for us, which, which I think is a really vitally important concept but what 
God with us demonstrates is that God's not just distant, God's not just cheering us on from the sidelines, but He's actually there already when we arrive, that He's already at work. And so I think that often our challenge um, is more to really kind of determine what is God already up to. Our challenge is actually to align our heart with His and to seek Him for how it is that He wants us to partner with Him. And often we, I think, we can have this, this picture, particularly from the, our reading of the Old Testament of the Bible, of this terrifying God in, in a pillar of fire or seeking to strike us down. But what we see in the Christmas story is God becomes a vulnerable baby. And so this picture of a pillar of fire becomes this innocent, fragile, vulnerable child in a representation of God's heart for wanting to be close to us, to be God with us. And so my challenge for myself um, in the lead up to Christmas and in this Advent season is really what in turn will I do in order to be with Him? What, What does that look like? What does that look like in and around my life? What does that look like in my relationships? What does that look like in my interactions with people that I come into contact with? What does that look like when I'm standing across the counter purchasing goods to this poor frazzled person on the other side who's really just trying to make $20 an hour or whatever it is that they're doing? What will I do this Christmas in order to be present with God? So three questions. What does God with us mean to you? Is it important and why? Have you ever been superstitious about your relationship with or understanding of God? Has that changed over time and why? And how might we be more aware of God being with us and what difference could, should, would that make to our lives?